The Frankie Files podcast is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me, Frankie Tees. Cults, coercion, and sexuality in society. These are the topics for the Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tees, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. Trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. Hi, this is Frankie's mom, and you're listening to the Morningland Papers on Frankie Files Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of Frankie Files Podcast. I'm Frankie Tees, and I'm here with my mom. We're going to talk today about a unique audio recording that she preserved from 1987, setting the Wayback Machine. What can you tell us about this day, Mom, to set the scene? This is September of 1987, and it's been three years since I've left Morningland, and it wasn't a choice of mine. I was excommunicated. I've done this surveillance before, but this time uh, an attorney has suggested to me to bring a tape recorder and stay inside my car. Those are the two guidelines. Okay, let's hear the first thing that takes place on this tape. I am located on a red strip of curb north of 7th Street. Facing, my car is facing south, so that I can face Morningland and see both entrances. With a feeling that I'm definitely being watched from somewhere. Has just come out of Niamaran's house. And she's crossing the street, just like Yan Ron did, stopping traffic, stopping in the middle of the street to light a cigarette while letting the traffic go by. Hair blowing in the face, of course. Dangerous position, I would think, to be in if you're an enlightened being. Wearing white pants and turquoise blue top, across the street but not going to the front, she's going to the side entrance, ignoring me totally, trying very hard not to even acknowledge that I'm sitting across the street even though she saw me. What stands out for me is that I'm a space cadet, 
standing in the middle of the street smoking, and it also is something that they encouraged us to smoke from age 14, which is like destruction of a minor. And it is very dangerous. This street, especially Mm -hmm. 7th Street that you are crossing, does not uh, pay attention that well. It's very busy. Well, to translate what my mother is saying, it's a thoroughfare onto the freeway in, in the west side of Long Beach. So the traffic goes real quick. And, yeah, it is a weird thing that recorded um, me making those choices <laughs> to cross the street. It makes me flash back to what a space cadet I was and all the influences I was under and lack of sleep, lack of food, supplemental Things that I may or may not know were put in my food. Definitely caffeine and cigarettes. We were encouraged to drink caffeine and smoke cigarettes. Morningland is very uh, separated in if you're wearing this color, your certain pecking order. Name, you're in a group of this group, you're in a group of that group, that every group has their coloration, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hear this next section. Out of a Morningland front store came uh, a young man that's from Canada. I can't remember his name. He's kind of limping like he has an injured foot. And Zarnon 3, a out of that room together. Okay, what comes to my mind here, this very rare and unique recording, if anyone is sitting outside of Morningland watching the comings and goings, you will see some strange stuff, which my mom has recorded here for posterity, is one guy who is called in training, named Ian Tabor, but his name was Greg Dumas. His whole family comes to Morningland from Canada. His father's sick. The wife comes, his mother, Greg, who I knew personally, and then he breaks up with his fiance. That's his first experience with Morningland. His father is completely taken by the message of Sri Donato and starts giving all his money because he figures he's dying. He's going for ascension now. They promised him ascension. What's significant about this story is that then they become separated in Morningland. Greg goes into, quote, training, and I'm pretty sure that he was in a forced relationship with this person he came out of the door with and is maybe staying in a compartment there on premise. The fact that you observe other special things is interesting to me, too. Let's hear the rest of it. from so much sitting in those classes. They both have their medallions on. See which door do they enter? Do they go in with the new people? No, they go past down to the parking lot gates. 
This was a guy I had a romantic interest in and I was tortured along with him by making us sit in a room together and talk about it alone. I think that was on some type of video surveillance for their entertainment. But they were talking so deriding to him that he was just there waiting for his parents' inheritance, waiting for his father to die. His father did eventually die and he left some chunks of money to Morningland. I don't know all the details on that, so I shouldn't get too deep in the weeds. It goes to show you that recruitment happens from all over by Morningland. In this particular case, Canada. And this family came all the way from Canada and gave a lot to Morningland. And they were tortured and separated. And the young man in his 20s lost his fiance. That was the next thing to happen to him. Sri Donato really wanted to cut him down to size. And I was part of witnessing that because I was in a group with my sister, him and another guy. So two, two girls of us and two guys. We were all made to dress in fatigues and do hard labor on the property. Um, for some period of time, we were being told we were in training together. That's the words Sri Donato would use. This particular story, the Dumas story, I'd really love to know more about. If you guys are listening and if you know the family, please have them get in touch with us via the website so they can contact the show. That would be great. This was a particularly difficult grift that they did on the Canadian family. It was really sad. Next, Mom, on your surveillance tape, you're talking about the comings and goings right around a Sunday service, I believe, or some type of service, like evening time service. This next section is still about a family being separated. How about that? The Frankie Files. Carl and Nehemiah, which leads me to believe that Carl is living with Nehemiah. Oh, dear God. I can't help but comment on that thought. Nehemiah is going to be raising a little boy. Oh, boy. Carl doesn't know which door to enter. Ah, there's his mother. His mother's all in white. She must have been made a copy or something. Oh, I see. He wanted to talk to his mama. She came outside, whatever her name is. I can't remember. Carl's mother. Carl and Christine's mom. As you can hear, I am very concerned about the child and who is going to be raising that child. Where's the parents? Who's dictating this? This was so common. It's really hard to talk about, like, how many families were separated. It was just like a norm. You come in, you show your dedication by separating your marriage, your family, marrying someone you didn't plan to. All of these things, these disruptions, these life disruptions, this complete tumult, total chaos incurred on every member. And this just documents that it was in progress with one little boy named Carl. 
It's a wild recording you got here. Oh, thank you. Uh, it was very heart-wrenching to watch. And like you said, this isn't your first time, but this is your first time going with a tape recorder, so you can just pretty much talk about what you're seeing. Right. Okay, on we go to the next one. Let's see what else you captured. Tanzia had come out and got in her car again for whatever reason, I don't know. Got in her car and got out again. Maybe she left something. Like her cigarettes, heaven forbid. Got to have your cigarettes when you are in Morningland. Got to be grounded with all that high stuff. smoking uh, brings back a lot of memories. I had forgotten so much about uh, how important the smoking was. It's interesting that uh, I'm so aware of of that in this uh, recording. She had to come back and get her cigarettes. You're saying what's interesting about that to me is Steve Ryan, who I interviewed recently, also spoke about this and reminded us that we were told smoking would activate your fifth chakra. What, to get cancer? <laughs> what? Throat so, cancer. So, I mean, you know, every cult has its weird stuff, but this one was taking in caffeine and nicotine in large amounts. Now, there was other drugs going on, but it was never overt, and I never saw them. But now that these things, stories are coming out and we're interviewing people, there's quite a few incidents where drugs were being given to, quote, upper orders and echelons and training. As a child, I guess they were shielding me so that I couldn't be a liability of seeing anything like that. Doing it in front of a minor would be different. To promote the use of nicotine and cigarettes for the activation of your chakra. That's about the stupidest new age strange thing I've ever heard. One of them, right? <laughs> One of many. Well, here you are going to hear my emotions at, as to what I'm doing that evening. And the person that I am quoting, it will be a counselor, a family counselor, because I sought family counseling and and Mary was a person that was trying to suggest that my daughters were trying to, quote, get back at me, as a lot of teenagers might. One thing I've learned over 30 years is that the mainline social worker does not have the information about cults and how mind control works in cults and how it affects families and how it affects individuals. And this is why a traditional psychologist isn't going to define a problem correctly. They need to have training. They need to have special training because one thing looks like another in the general psychology. You know, sitting here watching this and watching people arrive, I uh, get feelings, obviously. Brings up fears and feelings of mine. And what a task I have taken on 
try to close this place, try to stop something that people believe in, I try to free and they don't even want to be freed. It was just feet away from me and didn't even wave at me, no recognition at all. It's very hard to, to believe that things have turned out this way. It's very hard to accept that my own daughter is doing that. And in a way, what Mary said the other day about Maybe if that's what she feels. But she wants a little revenge on me because she was angry at me for what I did or what I didn't do. Some role of a parent that I didn't fit for her. Well, she's kidding. I was there, and I was not happy to be shunning you. It was the most awkward thing and horrible thing I've ever participated in my life. I mean, I'm instructed to shun my own mother because it's for my spiritual development. She's been cast to the dark side or whatever, and uh, contact with her would mean my spiritual life. I mean, some dark stuff, apocalyptic stuff. And to use your family against you like that, it's normal in new age cults to do this stuff it's a spiritual journey that you need to take alone ditch everybody that's the motif that's so upsetting to hear you say on this recording that I wanted to get back at you there's no way any of that was in my mind there's no revenge in my mind I don't even know that I'm being wronged by anyone I'm going with the flow of the demands of this master, quote marks, who now owns me in any other terms. They own me. I'm not working. I'm not going to school. I'm there full time from age 16 and a half forward. It's sheer insanity right in front of everyone's faces. You were stood down. You're separated from us. So yeah, it's a lot to hear because you're right. Psychologists don't, they miss the mark often on the shunning, A, we were told we're higher spiritual level than our parents. A, you're pitted against your parents. Tune into us, not your parents. Oh, and then we're instructing our parents, whatever we're told. Oh, what a clever dynamic. So this idea that your therapist thought I was enjoying the shunning, it's like, well, you don't understand shunning. Jehovah's Witness, Amish, all kinds of religions and closed-knit groups do it to keep everybody in line. No one wants to be on the outside looking in. And here you are on the outside looking in, documenting your thoughts. It's pretty great stuff. Here is some more of your recording. Sheriff on revenge. Because it is extremely hard for me to sit here and not honk at her, jump out of the car, run over to her, hug her, demand her attention. It's very difficult. Of course, I can't help but wonder what kind of feelings are aroused in her when she came out of that house and saw that I was there. Nobody went back in and told her unless somebody from the temple called. Judy's right outside your door. Uh, go be Guillaume.
was taxed with the challenge of having a class on healings. I was given the title of my of my supposed healing, right. and I was told what to say in that uh, writing that I was supposed to do, and it's for a book. After you educated me about this, how this went for you, I could see how it was manufactured. Later, in an interview with Ed Masry, my sister and I were asked why we were there so young without our parent. This might have been right at 18. I don't know. And we were saying, well, she was abusive. We were, we were given a script to tell him. This is a better life for us. Yada, yada, yada. Now, I can honestly say that they manufactured that. And it's clear to me now these healings were manufactured for marketing. This is the price you have to pay to stay in there. You have to have your healing or you're not a real disciple. Steve Ryan also confirmed that in his recent interview with us. That was a thing. Okay, on to the next section. Five minutes after seven, actually. I found a place to park on the south side of 7th Street, right in front of the temple on Molino. Real good location. Everybody everybody that comes to Morning Line is going to have to... Not everybody. The majority of people that I saw last night came from this direction and uh, would have to pass right by me very visible place to be parked. So here I am. To make these people stand outside of this gate, knowing that there is me out here, but even if I wasn't out here, they have such disrespect for their people. students of mastery or something like that. To me, it seems disrespectful. What's interesting here is you are making a great point, and other cults do it too, churches too. It's that it's very disrespectful to make people just stand outside to wait to get into your church. It's almost like a commercial. Look how popular we are, like club nightclubs do it. People that had a hard time parking behind me, so I moved up for them. I was hoping they'd ask me if I was attending tonight so that I could tell them hell no. Um, definitely trying to look morning language. Making their U-turn to park on 7th Street. This will mean that they have to walk by me. Of course, their daughter waved because she recognized me. God for children. They don't know they're not supposed to do certain things. The Frankie I don't know what age a cult starts, this cult starts teaching shunning, but uh, obviously not that young. 
these young people are seeing their parents shun someone they knew last week or last month or last year, someone that was in their lives every single day, and bloop, now they're gone because the master said they're excommunicated or they, you know, are evil. All the things that they say to keep things quiet and to isolate us from each other in an emergency where they're going to lose control, right? That's a good point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can be as simple, oh, we're not talking to her right now. Mm -hmm. Devastating. And we heard from both Leo and Steve Ryan that when these separations would take place, these hiatuses slash sabbaticals, timeout, whatever, they couldn't speak to their spouse or go home where they live. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's a lot of hooey. I'm learning so much about uh, Morningland on these interviews that we're doing. It's very informative. It's all going to come out. Oh, yes. Knuckles. Okay, folks, so we're coming to the finale climax, if you will, of this tape that's been digitized from 1987. The date is September, our birthday, where my mom comes to visit us every year for three years because we're not allowed to have contact with her if we want to still make our ascension and go aboard the spaceship. (laughs) We have been feared into compliance, not talking to our mom, and we're not getting mail. We're not getting correspondences. And we're living illegally at 2600 East 7th Street. She knows it. She's gone to authorities to try to get them to do an inspection. They say, no evidence of anyone living there. And all kinds of other stuff that she's tried. At this point, she's trying to make contact with her daughters. What you've just heard is the voice of, number one, voice the llama. We'll play it again. Comma ZX5, a.k.a. Terry Smith. The second voice who's ring leading this scenario is Gopi Saravati. At that time in 87, she was the number one right-hand person to Sri Donato. Now she's the leader, the de facto leader, CEO. So you're hearing two of my main abusers here going to begin deriding my mom in a public place where she is parked. She's not on their property to torment her. Let's hear their voice again. Great job with this tape, Mom. I am thinking that these people are done. They've gone away from my car door, and they've said what they wanted to say. 
I was wrong. Oh, we're going to be on tape. We got spotlights. We got spotlights and uh, videotape and the entourage of every disciple I could possibly see. I'm on tape. This is for their records, I suppose. Long extension cord, fully lit, and the whole entourage. This is quite an event for them, I guess. Hope they're tape recording the video as well. I mean, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if the lights didn't work? I think I'm going to change tape so that I can make sure to get all of this. What uh, Terry Smith was talking about was last assignment I had in Morningland was to be taking pictures. So I was known uh, going around taking pictures within the ashram, within the temple, etc. And uh, I was not taking pictures that night. I was just sitting there recording. And you have been listening to my recordings. These are voices of fellow members that I've known, some of them, for nine years. And they've decided that this is what they need to do to me. They need to surround my car. They need to harass me. They need to treat me like less than them. say some of the names from the voices that I do recognize. Um, Garansha was one of them. Shokru, who is Mary Weber. And uh, Saravati, of course, and Kamazi X5, who's Terry Smith. Lois, and I do believe I hear Garansha's wife as well. That's the only voices I recognize at the moment, but there were more people. The things they're saying are so mindless. Oh, don't you have anything to say? We're interested. Don't you have anything better to do than to hang out outside of people's church? The same people asking you these things at that curb are sexually abusing me. They're never telling us that you were outside. We never saw this or heard this recording that you say they made, which was well-lit and directed into the cab of your car, like an interrogation more, is a mobby scene. It's astounding their audacity and mindlessness here. You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. Here's some more. You've just heard the voice 
of Saravati, also known as Peggy. And this is the woman that at this time, little did I know, she had sexually abused both of my daughters. She had participated in separating them from my family, from us. Um, she had professed to love me just prior to her sexual abuse of my daughters. And here she is playing a role of holier than thou. What I really want to know is where my daughters are. Are they safe? Why aren't you giving my daughters an opportunity to see their mother, their grandmother? Why do you have to control their life? Who said you can? You're the one that chose them for the music department. Was that just to get them separated from me so that you could have your way with them, turn them into concubines, because that's what you did. Rather than watching us as we walk by, here you can speak yeah. to anyone on earth. right here. That's called gaslighting, Saravati. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to see my daughters on her birthday, on their birthday. That's all. And you're not allowing it. So what does that make you? The audacity of my enslavers, my abusers, they knowingly contributed to the destruction of a minor, including picking me up at school, encouraging me to smoke and watch porn from age 14 with them in the think tank while business was being conducted all around us. And they engaged in this inappropriate behavior, both of them. So they're sitting at my mom's car haranguing her What's your problem? What do you want to know? This is terrorism in a nutshell. For the record, it's 10 to 8. She's surrounded by a large group, but has nothing to say to the group. No. It's like you're surrounded by a group of bullies who devastated your life. But why don't you have anything to say? <laughs> Who would? Who would try to talk to these under the orders of the master to harass you? I mean, the whole scene is just so outlandish. But likes to take pictures. Takes pictures. Makes notes in her tape recorder. She talks to the tape recorder, obviously, but I don't know about people. But not to us. And now that we're all here, you don't have anything to say. Again, what audacity. They're gaslighting you like you've done something wrong. Oh, we're all here. You don't have a thing to say, but see, they don't allow us out there, which is what you were trying, you know, the contact you wanted was with your daughters. We were never informed that you were outside. Never.
I do have many pictures of you guys. I have uh, Pat uh, for years. I've taken pictures of Pat. Years I've taken pictures of Peggy. Years I've taken pictures of Terry. Years I've taken pictures of Shokru, Mary. Yes, you're right. I do have plenty of pictures. I don't need any more pictures. But, I mean, they're heckling you like, how dare you sit outside, which, by the way, is a public place on the street. And it is within your legal limits to take photos of people coming and going. And this is what the only thing you were left to do. You had gone to the city. You'd gone to the police. You'd gone to just about every organization um, considered kidnapping. And they have the audacity to heckle you. It is ironic. There's also this um, timing of finding out that a bomb was placed on this very building that my daughter was living in. How does that make every parent feel? Right. So that's in 1986. And you're right. I was right on premise. And you and I talked and you had been there that day because some workers of yours, co-workers, told you about it. And you said, oh, my gosh, my daughters are there. And you were right. We were there and we were in danger. The bomb would have taken my life. I was directly above, and I tell that in some other interviews. I heard that the bomb itself would have taken out a whole block. Well, the police and the bomb squad knew because they evacuated the whole region. So when you, the audacity and the criminal nature of these people surrounding your car and harassing you when they've instigated people to the point where they want to kill them. This is a dangerous place. It has not stopped being so. Let's keep going with this tape. This is your movie, Jenny. This is your movie. You must be here for a reason. You must have a lot of questions. Pictures don't tell at all. What can we do for you, Judy? I like how Saravati's tone is changing here. What can we do for you, Judy? Her sarcastic questioning and giggling getting the others to do the same isn't working. You're just sitting there silently and stoically recording the audio. Well, silent as always. Yeah. Yeah. Same old, same old. Same old. Same old. Same old. No change here. Well, all right. So there it is. Here they're trying to insinuate that my mom was kicked out because she was silent and non-cooperative in classes and in group activities. That's not it. You became mute as you were continually shunned by gobies and upper clergy as Morningland was stealing us away from you. They participated in it. And as you described to us in the classes, it would be, hold that thought or we'll get back to you. Basically, you were shunned by the entire upper clergy. And that started when I decided that you needed to stay home because the school had called and said that you were missing classes. So I said, if you can't go to school and be on time, then you need to stay home, not spend these hours in the music department. And the next visit to my class, I was taken aside by Saravati and told I am not to interfere between a disciple and the master. I was shunned from that point on. So others have experienced this before. As soon as the upper clergy in Morningland decides you're not on the page, you will be handled. And it's immediate. 
it seems to me that fantasy of the master has all the best intentions for your daughter's mom started to show it wasn't that and you spoke up you were immediately plan b kicked in you you needed to be shunned you needed to be ostracized painted as bad so that they can begin removing you i had to get all those labels dehumanizing mm-hmm. that's what the nazis did before they killed the jews it's the same damn thing if you want to shun someone you convince everyone around them what a bad person they are and that's what they systematically did and i want it to be known how systematic and cruel it was. While some people talk about conspiracy theories, this is literally a conspiracy between multiple people being run on my family to get my mom out of the picture and get possession of two twins, my sister and myself. On with the tape. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com They're saying that they are heading into the Sunday services or the evening classes because those start at 8. And so they're squawking that you're making them late because it's 10 to 8. You destroyed my family. Am I I bothering you by not answering your questions? By just sitting here in my car? In a public space that does not interrupt their area. In a public space. It's insane. These comments are wild. Number one, they're accusing you of doctoring a tape before they ever heard your recordings, saying that you're going to be editing and inserting, and then saying, oh, I bet she has a lot to say once she leaves is another slander that you're doing this for the purpose of slandering them. None of that's happening. Another great thing on this section of the audio, you can hear how many people are there. It's 15 deep or more when everyone starts laughing. You're just surrounded. Couldn't have felt good. It was overwhelming. I've never experienced that. And I've been through a lot of uh, people that are mean. And here they decide to make a mockery of you. Saravati says, spies are us. Again, this is the woman that stole your kids from you. So it's particularly heinous. She knows exactly why I'm there. What would you like to know? You've got us all. You don't have to watch us. You don't have to take pictures. You can say what you'd like to say right to us. And that is the voice of Mr. Dumas, whose entire family was separated right before he died. And they said he ascended 
to the mothership. He was taken for a lot of money. The sad part is, what was he told to participate in your right. harassment? Right. While he's getting worked over by a master con artist, Sri Donato, he's out at your car helping to harass you and your family. A true Morninglander, huh? It's just really sad because they are so convincing and manipulative that they get people to do these things. And everyone who's listening, who's in Jehovah's Witness, who's been in Mormonism, they know the shunning and Scientology. This may be, this could be the opportunity of a lifetime. You may never get this chance again. Say it, ask it. This is it. Open forum. Open forum. At your service. Right here. So that's not the entire tape, but this is the sections we took out of the digitized actual physical tape from 1987 that you sat and got in your reconnaissance. Everything is left as it was. They should be ashamed of themselves. I'm not going to hold my breath on that. The Jewish Federation in Los Angeles, California has a display for people to experience what it might be like to be a Jew in Nazi Germany. As a visitor, we are allowed to walk through this. It's on either side. The The voices are coming from either side, and you get to experience the name-calling, the thrashing, the mocking, the brutality of how people can treat other people. It is a gauntlet. Now, having experienced that exhibition, I can tell you that what I experienced in sitting in my car in an attempt to see my daughters, what Frankie and I are setting up here is for you to have the experience of sitting in my car as I did when I went to see my daughters on their birthday. Sit there with the windows down just a crack so that you could hear all the people around you. Listen to them. Listen to them with an open mind. You may know these people. These people may be strangers to you. But what does it feel like? So the people who are still in charge are the ones you hear on the tape. Gopi Saravati, also known as Peggy. Gopi Show Crew is now the number two in charge, part of my abuse and family separation, also known as Mary Weber. And the Lama Comes EX5 participated in our family destruction. And he is also known as Terry Smith. Thanks for doing this, Mom. Thanks for helping me. 
I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Frankie Files Podcast. And always keep critical thinking. Hey, this is Frankie. And this is Frankie's mom. And you're listening to... (laughs) The Frankie Files.